This podcast is produced by Benchmark Education. In this episode of Teacher's Talk Shop, Metacognition. Do you want to read this aloud and then talk about what you're doing, like metacognitively? Um, Mm -hmm. I think that would be the best. Okay. All right. Here we go. I'm even going to put on my reading glasses to give me like a a leg up here. (laughs) You're about to hear Patty McGee read a text passage provided by author and reading expert, Dr. Peter Afflerbeck. She's seeing the text for the first time. It is legitimate to further characterize the Broadpoint appearance as a major archaeological horizon marker for the eastern seaboard. Patty is an excellent reader, but this text is a challenge for her. Okay. I know the words, but I don't know what any of that means, but I'm going to keep reading to see if anything helps. Patty is revealing her metacognition skills, her awareness and understanding of her reading, how well it's going how well her attention and strategies are working to help her construct meaning. In the terms of Wiley and Phillips, a horizon is a primarily spatial continuity represented by cultural traits and assemblages whose nature and mode of occurrence permit the assumption of a broad and rapid spread. As Patty reads, Peter listens and asks her to demonstrate her metacognition skills. So we're talking about... So, Patty, how, how are you dealing with that? Are you... What sort of reading strategies are you using? Okay. Well, I'm word solving as my first. Um, and I'm trying to, like, think about how these words fit together because they don't seem to be words that I normally see fitting together <laughs> in a paragraph. Like, I know the word archaeological, but archaeological horizon marker... So I'm trying to reread a little bit, and I'm on the search for, um, I'm on the search for some things that are going to help me make sense of this. Metacognition plays an essential role in reading comprehension. As students develop metacognitive strategies and a metacognitive mindset, they become more self-aware, independent, and successful readers. The word horizon comes up again in the second sentence, so I'm going to try to reread that in hoping that definition will give me a a little bit more information. If Peter were Patty's teacher, he would know which reading strategies she relies on when challenged. And as a reader with good self-awareness, Patty knows when her strategies are and aren't working. But I also know that horizon and seaboard, we know that the horizon is what we see um, when we look out. I, and I'm just noticing that this isn't making any sense to me. I don't know enough about this um, for this to make sense. Okay. In this episode, Patty McGee talks with Dr. Peter Afflerback about metacognition, the missing link in reading instruction. I'm Kevin Carlson, and this is Teachers Talk Shop. So, like, maybe I can just ask you a question, Peter. Why sure. did you make me read that? <laughs> okay. So, Patty, thank you for the, uh, your courageous effort to try thank to make you. sense of just a few sentences of a very challenging text. And um, I wanted to start off with this paragraph. I've used it for over 40 years in research on 
uh, cognitive reading strategies, but also metacognitive reading strategies. And um, the, the point of having you read it in relation to metacognition is, you know, metacognition is this wonderful gift that we have as it develops in turn with our reading. And we're often unaware of it because we're doing okay. But when reading starts slowing down, it gets really difficult and the gears start grinding, metacognition rises itself up to the point where we're aware of it. And what you reported just in those couple of sentences that you were reading are, are pretty common metacognitive strategies that readers use. And um, I just, I, I wanna tell you what other expert readers like yourself have reported doing with this paragraph. Um, they, they often slow down the rate of reading because they're figuring out that something's not working and they think that going slow might help. They regularly reread because that first take of the sentence just isn't leading to uh, an understanding or comprehension. They change reading strategies when, when the comprehension doesn't seem to be working and they evaluate near and far progress. So am I understanding this word? Am I understanding this clause? Do I know what this sentence means? And then can I try to cobble together some understanding across sentences? And so so my hope is just in like that brief experience that you had and that anybody reading this challenge paragraph will have is um, getting reacquainted with these metacognitive strategies that we all use when we need them. One of the beauties of metacognition, in addition to it helping us get through the weeds of really difficult reading is that it's always with us, but we only um, need it when we need it. And it only you know comes to the forefront when the going gets rough. The research on metacognition, which I believe is, is quite formidable and lengthy and broad and deep, and then the importance of keeping metacognition in focus as we help kids learn to um, become better readers. So you know, the role of metacognitive strategies in reading development. Yes. Thinking about those starting this off because we jumped right into trying out the metacognitive strategies and we were able to name them. Um, is there a broader definition you'd like to work with uh, in terms of educators thinking about this concept of, of metacognition so they could wrap their heads around it? Metacognition is really our understanding of ourselves, um, but in particular for us uh, of our reading, how well it's going, how well our attention and strategies are working to help us construct meaning, how how close we are to attaining our reading goals. And metacognition is really at the heart of our students' independent and successful reading. You know, if, if you think about it, if we haven't helped kids become metacognitive across any school year, um, when they walk out the door the last day of the year, um, what probability do they have of being successful in summer reading, for example, if they haven't become metacognitive. If if they haven't, they they tend to be relentlessly dependent on someone else to tell them how they're doing. And if we're not around as the teacher to tell them how they're doing, um, who will be doing that for them? So I, I like to think about metacognition as um, something that usually operates behind the scenes mm -hmm. and it helps us um, set goals and it helps us plan our reading. Um, it helps us call up relevant prior knowledge, as as you mentioned, when you focused on archaeological and horizon. Um, it helps us choose and use strategies, um, and it helps us regulate our work. It tells us when things are off course. You know, so when, when difficulty is encountered, 
it, it tells us that that's happening and it alerts us to the need to do something different from what we're doing. And we know from research that uh, it's it's most often our struggling readers who are not metacognitive. And so um, they have the, I would say sometimes a double burden of needing to learn the cognitive strategies that we all know are important, you know, ranging from decoding to developing fluency to understanding new vocabulary and comprehending text. But the whole regulation of that is, is what metacognition is about. And um, as I've said, I, I think really difficult tasks, like the few sentences you just read, yeah. help us appreciate and better understand the essential nature of metacognition. After the break, metacognition research over the years. Stay with us. Metacognition operates in all successful reading. It is essential that we understand how it works and how best to teach it. With his new book, Fostering Metacognitive and Independent Readers, author Peter Afflerbach delivers an essential guide to metacognition and effective instruction. This book helps teachers explore the research, examine strategies, and improve students' reading achievement. Students learn to set their own reading goals, monitor their own comprehension, identify and fix challenges to their understanding, and determine that their reading goals are being met. They become metacognitive and independent readers. Learn more at pdessentials.com. Go teach brilliantly. What other research has been pivotal uh, for your work? I want to make a note here that um, we we really started labeling metacognition as such back in the late 70s and the early 80s. And we've known about the power of metacognition before it got labeled metacognition. We know that across the history of reading, very talented readers must have been able to realize that there was a mistake and go about trying to fix a problem and then get back on track. But um, some of the most essential, I would say foundational metacognition research occurred in the, the 1980s. And um, the researchers that I associate with that are, are Scott Paris, um, who demonstrated that metacognition has a positive influence on students' reading comprehension. Um, uh, Ruth Garner and um, her colleagues who, who determined that um, when they measured metacognitive awareness, um, the students who had high metacognitive awareness were better readers. And the ones who had low metacognitive awareness, as you might imagine, were less able readers. They were the readers who would um, sort of merrily go along through reading a text. And if asked by the teacher, how's it going? They'd say, oh, it's fine. But it wasn't, you know, and and at the core of that is of a lack of metacognitive awareness, which which prompts the use of metacognitive strategies. And um, that we knew all of that back in the 1980s. I, I want to point out that, you know, metacognition was not included in the National Reading Panels report. And um, I'd like to think the reason for that is because the research that had been done on metacognition didn't meet the standard for the National Reading Panel of, you know, having randomized controlled trials. Um, nevertheless, it's important to know that um, we've known about the power of metacognition for over four decades now. And, you know, more recently, 
Boulware Gooden um, and colleagues demonstrated that learning metacognitive strategies in third grade increase students' reading comprehension. And Carol Connor, uh, as recently as 2018, uh, demonstrated that students who are trained in metacognition um, exhibited superior reading comprehension scores. So there's a, a very strong research to back the, the claim that metacognition is not only important for reading, but it's essential for reading comprehension. That is absolutely compelling. Thank you for that. Um, I always sure. like to talk about the research just to be nerdy a little bit, but also it just really gives us a strong foundation of, we know this in our hearts and our teacher instincts that this is important, um, but when we have research to back it up, it's especially helpful. Part of what I like to do is um, try to help people um, consider expanding the notion of science of reading. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know the fact that metacognition is hardly ever raised as a um, an essential aspect of the science of reading is troubling to me because the research is there. And, um, you, know, you know, when I, but I read about science of reading stuff, metacognition is hardly ever talked about. So I, I think that's a, 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 a unfortunate situation. So. Yes. Sure. So if we could come back now to some of the practical things that you started talking about earlier when I was trying to read that sample paragraph, You've you started to highlight some of the st metacognitive strategies that expert readers use. So I'm wondering right. if you could rename some of those and then also think about like, um, what does it help do for students? Yeah, T to me, the goal is um, at whatever relative level of reading development and reading achievement that we have students in our classrooms who are capable of beginning, working through and successfully completing an act of reading. And it, it might be really simple text. It might be more complex, complex text for uh, the more advanced readers. But under the umbrella of metacognition, I would include strategies like, um, can our students set realistic goals for their reading? You know, often the teacher does that through an assignment and, and say, you read this chapter, read these paragraphs uh, and get ready to create a skit about the characters you read about or answer comprehension questions. But we want students to um, eventually be able to set goals for themselves. So setting a goal for reading is not only um, giving kids a target, but it, it, it also um, prompts their metacognitive awareness along the path to the target. All right. And um, I also think that two of the, the most essential metacognitive reading strategies, when, when the going gets rough, are um, slowing down our rate of reading and rereading. And, and I've, in the two university reading clinics that I've directed, I, I have always had readers that I call the racehorse readers. And they, they have this idea that the first one done is the best reader, but it, it turns out, and I, I think your experience with this paragraph would um, stand in favor of this comment that sometimes our best reading is the most laborious reading because we we have to slow down we have to reread and and we really have to devote all, like almost all of our cognitive resources to trying to construct meaning even if it's between um, phrases in a sentence or understanding how two sentences relate to one another um changing our strategies turns out to be really important you know we I think we generally do a good job of teaching reading comprehension strategies, but teaching kids that it's okay and then teaching them the means to be able to change reading strategies is is also a uh, I would say a, an essential and it's a hallmark of a 
um, an accomplished student reader and adult reader. Um, and then working along the way, being able to evaluate near and far progress. We, we might say that those are um, the evaluation points or really trigger um, related metacognitive strategies. So when you were reading, um, and I don't know how far you were into the first sentence, this is usually not too far for most expert readers, where they realize, well, things are not going smoothly already. Um, and and I'm, I'm not to the end of the first sentence. So that that's that beauty of metacognition. It shows up when we need it, if it's where, if it's working and if it's there. And then it it triggers these other related metacognitive strategies. And so, um, you know, my my goal, if I'm teaching in the university reading clinic or elementary or middle school or high school, is to try to help kids develop this metacognitive strategy toolkit in addition to a metacognitive mindset, which is, how do you become mindful? How do you become self-aware? And how do you um, help situate your reading in relation to your goals and and the the strategies and tools that you bring to bear on an active reading? After the break, bringing metacognition into the classroom and keeping it simple. Stay with us. Important learning happens as children find their own answers and resources. In their book, Wire for Agency, educators Jen Hayhurst and Jill DeRosa present four moves that educators can make to support student agency. Those four moves comprise WIRE, which stands for watch your students to understand them, intentionally instruct and learn about your students, reflect to refine focus, and engage your students for long-term learning. The stories from the classrooms really help teachers to identify it in their own classroom and to see those small little tweaks that they can make. Even though agency is a very big concept, it's really not a difficult one to put into your practice. Find out more about this and other titles at pdessentials.com. Go teach brilliantly. Let me recap some of the things that you said. Sure. Um, because as we as we think about um, some of the metacognitive strategies that are used by expert readers that we want all readers to be able to use, um, first, let me kind of recap some of the things that you mentioned, but then let's also dig into how can we make this really practical in a classroom setting. Sure. So first, um, just a few things that you mentioned, setting goals for reading, um, slowing down um, that in many cases of your race horse readers, as you said, are not really understanding what they're reading and uh, slowing that down. And sometimes laborious reading is the, is the reading that um, is making the most meaning, making and making new goals. So we're setting goals, but then we're adjusting those goals and we're often rereading based on that. And we're switching out strategies as needed um, right. and really noticing what we've done so far. So how can we help build this know-how in students at the classroom level? Yeah, well, that that's of course the the key question. Um, yeah. How do how do we get um, a student who is seemingly unaware of what's going on and not metacognitive to go out that door the last day of class and be independent and successful? And um, I, I like to start really small and simple with metacognition because. As I mentioned earlier, um, students who struggle with developing metacognition often are also struggling learning to decode, learning to read fluently, 
learning to figure out a vocabulary word and, and learning to construct meaning. And um, often those cognitive tasks and cognitive challenges are enough to fully involve a, uh, a struggling student reader's cognitive resources. So how do we, how do we even think about dropping another task on top of things? So I, I like to always go back to two questions um, that I learned in the reading cling at, at the University of Albany um, back in the late 70s. And that was, um, do I understand? Does that make sense? And how am I doing? And um, because once we get into the habit of, of asking those questions, we, we're opening the door for metacognitive development. And I'm not saying that you use those questions, Patty, as you were you know, getting through the first half of that first sentence, but the, the, you have a mental routine that um, has been um, practiced and mastered uh, at some point in your reading development. And that's what we wanna aim for, for all of our students. So given that let's let's think about an elementary school student already struggling um, to um, achieve and develop as a as an independent reader. What what what's a question that could ask? And um, I love the question. Does that make sense? Because we know that the point of reading is to construct meaning. And does that make sense? Does two things it continually reminds students that the point of reading is to make sense first and foremost, but it, it can also prompt a response to the question, which is yes or no. And if the question is no, then, then we can start asking um, additional questions. So once in a reading clinic I see, or I would say like with first, second, third graders typically, um, it takes a while for students to get their heads around why that question is important. Does that make sense? And to get into the routine of asking it and then to be able to um, truthfully and accurately answer it. Um, and if the answer is no, it doesn't make sense. Then the next set of questions could be, um, is there a problem? And can you figure out what the problem is? We we do this all the time when the reading is difficult and at an expert level, but we, we want to gradually have kids ease into these questions and then start applying these strategies. So if, if we are asking, does that make sense? And a student gets comfortable with that question and then starts attempting to answer it. Um, no. Okay. So it doesn't make sense. What can you do? Then we can start introducing strategies like reread. Um, slow down your rate of reading. Think about what you know about this topic. And one of the one of the ways that I really like to um, introduce and then reinforce and then be this like voice on the side for students is through checklists. And um, in a, in a clinic, I'm, I mean, eventually we we figured out laminating these checklists would be good, so they don't get like soda stains on them or you know potato chip stains from lunch or anything like that. But but a series of increasingly complex questions, but always starting with, does that make sense? And a student can then have that card on the side. Um, and over time, I, I, I think this is a, um, you know, this really reflects the idea of the gradual release of responsibility, which, which we know is really successful in helping us teach cognitive reading strategies, like reading comprehension strategies, that we want students not only to take more and more responsibility that the teacher initially takes, but um, we want students to internalize the stuff that we give them. And a checklist can be internalized by students. So um, I'm not saying that you or I 
has a, a verbatim exact checklist like, does that make sense? Do you understand it? Am I comprehending? Is there a problem? But but those sorts of mindsets and and approaches to reading, where where students kind of turn into little detectives and and figure out, yeah, there's a problem. Where is it? Um, then we can elaborate the, the checklist, and we can introduce strategies like rereading, um, slowing the rate of reading, and then problem solving, which is okay, you found a word that you think is important based on the context, but you don't understand it. You think you can sound it out. You still don't understand it. What can you do? And so um, that that leads the students into, well, what are the resources that I have? Do I have prior knowledge related to it? Um, do I need to Google it? Do I need to go to a dictionary? That sort of thing. So it's, um, I, I think of uh, like, does that make sense? Um, do I understand as the, like, the acorn that starts the big metacognition tree growing. And um, I, I don't want to sound too simplistic about it because for teachers and students, there's a lot of hard work involved to go from, does that make sense to being a fluent, independent and successful metacognitive reader. But we have to start somewhere. And that to me is simple, simply stated and practiced questions on something like a checklist. Yes. And I think there's, uh, quite a lot of power in that simplicity that if we add a little too much, too many layers, too, too many bells and whistles, it becomes so muddied that it's really hard to really focus on the things we most want kids to focus on. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I appreciate the simplicity of those questions and how when used as a checklist, they become more and more sophisticated and it leads kids to be able to become even more and more metacognitive in their um, reading thinking while also building that independence because they are so simple. They don't need to rely on somebody else to constantly ask them the questions once they're internalized. Very practical. Right. right. I mean, it, it's sort of um, learning how to swim, you know, like you, yeah. you don't want to jump into the pool without knowledge of any strokes, you know, and, right. um, but even a short, like a little doggy paddle starts you out and, exactly. uh, and helps. Patty, if we have time, I just wanted to make two more points. Sure. Um, okay, so point one is metacognitive strategies have a lot in, in common with cognitive strategies in terms of instruction. And we know that successful reading teachers um, use thinking aloud and modeling and explanation when they introduce and then have students practice and assume responsibility for strategies like summarization and prediction and determining uh, an unknown vocabulary, the meaning of an unknown vocabulary word, those same strategies work for metacognition. So if you could think about um, in, a, in an elementary school classroom, reading a story out loud and saying, I don't think I know what that word is. I'm going to reread, you know? So th that's mm -hmm. point A is um, think about the strategy instruction you already use in your classroom, and then just think about doing that for metacognitive strategies. And then the nice. point B is um, metacognition to me is, is not only a gift from a cognitive perspective, but it turns out that students who are metacognitive are very often uh, more self-aware and more reflective. And that self-awareness and reflection helps them put reading together in bigger phases of their life. For example, a student who is metacognitive um, may also notice that the effort that they applied in a really difficult task led to their success. And that feeds students' motivation and engagement going forward because they've had an experience 
that they can think of themselves as successful. That also boosts uh, student self-efficacy, which we know is really important. Um, if we don't believe in ourselves in any task, um, our, our tendency to want to do it and our uh, tendency to give effort and sustain when the going gets tough is greatly reduced. So metacognition has, has a really broad set of possible outcomes that are all, that are all positive. And um, while we focused on metacognitive strategies and skills focused on comprehending text and getting to the end of a text and uh, meeting one's goals, it's also broad and it helps students, I think, ultimately appreciate what reading can do for them and appreciate what they've done as readers to be successful. It's a win-win all around it, in it, so it, many ways. And yeah. it may even be one of those parts that hopefully those listening are reflecting on, is this present in the opportunities for learning for students? And if it's not, um, it might very well be the missing piece that's, that's that pulls it all together. Yeah. It's generalizable. I mean, metacognition might not only develop in reading. You can have students also become metacognitive in math and science and music where, you know, what we end up with is students who can self-improve um, when we're not there. It's the ultimate goal, isn't it? Yeah. So. Well, Peter, this has been such an important and useful conversation. I just admire the way that you're able to take something so practical, like uh, a paragraph that's tricky for me to read, um, and show us just how using metacognitive strategies um, is in all of us as expert readers and the research that's there to support this work, but also to get really specific about what are these metacognitive strategies and how can we make them useful for students through the simple act of questions, um, a checklist, and a progression of those questions within a checklist. Well, thanks for taking the time, Peter, to talk to us about it's metacognition. Always, always a pleasure. Well, have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Dr. Peter Afflebach. Thank you, Patty McGee, and thank you for listening to Teachers Talk Shop. If you enjoyed learning from this conversation with Peter Afflebach, please visit benchmarkeducation.com slash webinars to check out his new PD webinar. It's titled Metacognition in Action, Classroom Environments and Practices that Promote Self-Regulation and Comprehension of Complex Text. Again, that's at benchmarkeducation.com slash webinars. Throughout this season of Teachers Talk Shop, we are talking with leading literacy experts like Peter Afflebach to explore current understandings and nuances of teaching and learning literacy. Our aim is to present a 360-degree view of literacy that positions us to address the needs of all students in today's classrooms. Thanks for listening. For Benchmark Education, I'm Kevin Carlson. Thank you.